They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. This is a hose head production. As the good reverend would say, welcome, my friends. This house, wretched, miserable, servile, pathetic trash that the good reverend Kaju has to offer. What's happening out there, listeners? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the House of Trash. Reverend Kaiju's House of Trash, the inaugural episode numero uno. Today, we're talking the unbearable weight of massive talent. And uh, I couldn't think of anyone better to talk about this amazing gem of a film with me than the one and only one-on-one. What's up, buddy? What's up, man? You doing some ASMR shit, bro? <laughs> yeah, I'm just uh, you know, getting nice and smooth with it into the microphone, people. Now, <laughs> do it in the Nicholas Cage accent, bro. All right, everybody, how are we doing out there in listener land? Uh, we're gonna talk about me playing a fictionalized version of me today, okay? So, dude, oh, you were fucking hyping this. You were hyping this to me, and I mean, you know, we're both. We both love the maestro, the, 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 you know, the man, the myth, Mr. Nicholas fucking Cage. And uh, it did not disappoint. This was, <laughs> dude, out of this fucking world good. I loved it, bro. It was everything. It was actually better than I had anticipated to be 100% with you. Like, I couldn't have anticipated it being any. I, I always set my expectations low. That way, I don't disappoint myself. You know how you know how that can be, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Keep and, expectations uh, low, but then it just blew my mind, bro. Like it really did. And obviously, there's been movies that have done concepts like this before, mm-hmm. right? But just the fact that you see Nicolas Cage doing it, and the way that it was just executed, I just can't describe it. That's like the beautiful part of. It. I was like, when they ask him, like, "What's your favorite movie?" He's like, you can't pick a favorite movie, man. Like. It's like what what's your mood that day? What season is it? Like all this crazy stuff. It's just like that. You can't describe the way it was, but it was absolutely phenomenal because I think people were expecting a bad film because Nick Cage has been kind of sort of disappointing as of lately. You know what I mean? Like doing these B rated movies. Bro, you're gonna you're gonna tell me that Willie's Wonderland did not deserve a fucking Oscar. Bro, I had some people saying that it that it did not. Like I had some people saying that it <laughs> 
was bro what does he say like two things in that fucking movie he says nothing he makes grunts he, there's no words in willie's wonderland whatsoever all we get is him chugging energy drinks and kicking fucking ass that was so great oh and... i just watched it before we did this that's what i when i was taking my little snooze i was like i'm putting on willie's wonderland get in the mood oh the willie's wonderland do you... i'm gonna read you my favorite my favorite quote from the the unbearable weight of massive talent i don't know if you want to read the plot of the movie obviously this is going to be full of spoilers for those that don't know haven't seen the movie go check it out before you listen to this because we are going to spoil the fuck out of it oh yeah but i don't know if you want to read like what it's about before i read my favorite quote or if you want to read my favorite quote and i have i dude i was doing some digging and i think i have information that proves that nick cage is a time traveling vampire or alchemist and why not all uh, three well you know what dude i think here I'm I'm going to I'm I'm going to read this quote because I think I, this is my favorite quote of the entire movie. It's when he's when he's sitting with Javi for the first time that they ask him like, "Oh, he's like, "Oh, I'm going to retire," right? He goes, "It's just a matter of time before the great power plant upstairs turns off the juice and we retreat to the black pit of nothingness from whence we came." Some heavy oh. shit, yeah. <laughs> for a for a beautiful satire, they're like, "We're going to throw in a little existential shit for all you out there as well." Because I mean, think about it, dude. It's it's he's he is broke in the movie, right? Because that's a, that yep. that's a parody in real life that people yep. say, "Oh, he's broke. He's buying all this stuff. He has a sarcophagus. He has a T Rex skull and all this stuff." A gorgeous uh, occult library, more Godzilla toys than one person can possibly own. He has an occult library. Yeah. Well, he dude, he bought uh, what was the name of the house in New Orleans that he bought? Was that Marie Laveau's house or was that just the murder house that he the bought? Abiotha Lima. <laughs> No, that's in Pasadena. We talked about that on your show. No, no, the uh, the one in in Cthulhu. What is it? Isn't it the the, the Abbey of Lima? Isn't it in Cthulhu? You're talking in the city of city of Rallier? Kefalu, where wherever the, the Loch Ness, the freaking one with Crowley, that's Bolskin. It's in Scotland. What's it called? Bolskin Manor. No, Jimmy Page owned that. Jimmy one Page. Point. There we go. I thought it was the 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 something the Lima. Whatever. Who gives a fuck about Crowley? <laughs> I I challenge you to ever oh oh god I'm out of heroin now I'm a mess fuck fuck so fuck I wanted to, I wanted to do a quick like rundown right read the, read the Wikipedia page of the unbearable weight of massive talent for for yeah, those that aren't gonna watch the movie but still want to hear us talk shit about Nick Cage I've got so, the ratings coming up after that as well so <laughs> the unbearable weight of massive talent is a 2022 American action comedy film directed by Tom. Gormican, who co-wrote the screenplay with Kevin Etten. I don't know who any of these fucking guys are. Who cares? Because I just saw it for Nick Cage. The film stars Nicolas Cage as a fictionalized version of himself, along with a supporting cast that includes Pedro Pascal, Sharon Horgan, Ike Barinholtz. Hopefully I'm saying these names right. Alessandra Mastronati, whatever. Neil Patrick Harris, his fucking forehead was in the movie. Tiffany Haddish. And we have the filming began in the many cities, including Croatia, on October 5th, 2020. Let me just stop you really quick before you get too far ahead of that. Whose forehead wins in a fight? Neil Patrick Harris or Christina Ricci? I don't know who Christina Ricci is. She played Wednesday Adams in uh, the 90s Adams Family movie. She was in that movie Cursed. Oh. Yeah. She's Uh, got – look her up real quick if you don't know. Tiffany what? No, no. Christina Ricci. Or Christina Ricci. If it's the one that I'm thinking about. She's got a five head too, my dude. Oh, dude. She's got a huge one. 
That's what I'm saying. Who whose forehead wins in the fight? Neil Patrick Harris you, or Christina bro. Ricci's? Yeah, she's gorgeous. Neil Patrick Harris is handsome too, though. He's goofy, but he's handsome. I I, I don't I don't know how I feel about Neil Patrick Harris, especially with his last role in The Matrix. I I didn't touch it. I won't watch it. I uh, you know I love the Matrix. I love the Matrix film. I love it. It's a shame they never made any sequels to that first great film. Well, obviously, bro, they blew their load on the first movie. I mean, who, who, who... <laughs> yeah, there was no need to make sequels, so they didn't. No, no. <laughs> you know how it is. Like right now, we have Avatar coming out as well. Very oh, God, I fuck that. I obviously I hate this. What's her? What's the bitch's name? The 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 Will Smith's wife, whatever her name is. Oh, uh, Jada Cuntit Smith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one, bro. I hate her. So I'm. <laughs> kind of disappointed she's in that movie i had forgotten but they're coming out with the new one in december but yeah it's these movies that you that they should just leave alone because they're masterpieces the first time around you know don't make reruns of it don't do anything else but you know this is hollywood they want to push their shit they want to make more money so of course they're gonna do it bro are you saying avatar is a masterpiece yes bro it dances with wolves with fucking 3d bro that's all it is it's my favorite movie, bro. Oh no! Yes. I'm shit. I got you here on the inaugural episode, and I'm shitting on your favorite movie, buddy. How can you? How can you reduce? It's an unanswerable question, Juan, and it's a very simple one. How can you reduce a hundred plus years of beautiful cinematic integrity to one favorite movie? I ask you. And how is it not the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari? Right. I'm gonna actually check that. I'm gonna watch Paddington too. I did the same that. thing. I know. I love this movie. You're like, well, I gotta watch fucking Paddington two now. <laughs> and Caligari, it, it reminds me of Cagliostro, the freaking wizard, theosophist, whoever mm-hmm. he was. And I'm like, hmm. Like maybe, bro. There was some. I don't know. I'm sure there was some influence there. There had to be. We're, t- we're talking like 1920s German expressionist film, which Tim Burton pretty much just stole his entire career from. So, obviously, we have Saturn films in this as well. So, do you want me to present my my evidence that I found uh, for Nick Cage being a time traveling alchemist wizard, uh, homunculus? Perhaps. Yes. Maybe. Let's touch on that. Right after I, I hit I hit the audience with these ratings, because I want to try and work these in as well on certain special ones, because this has a fucking 80... And I hate Rotten Tomatoes. I don't fucking trust it. I'm just going to say that right now. It's tremendously bad. Everybody knows it's tremendously bad. But 87 fucking percent on Rotten Tomatoes, 4 out of 5 on Common Sense Media, and 7.6 out of IMDb. Normally, I disagree with these ratings, but this... You guys, the fact that it wasn't a 10 on IMDb, it wasn't 100% on Rotten Tomatoes... I still disagree. So my record stands. But, but yeah, hit us with the. Uh, it's good though, right? Isn't it for Rotten Tomatoes? Eighty-seven percent, and yeah, that's solid. That's that's real solid. Yeah. Um, because normally they just shit on everything. But uh, what's this? Uh, what's this time travel and uh, vampirism and homunculus? He's not like uh carrying those plastic fangs with him from Vampire's Kiss everywhere, is he? So we know he's done over 80 movies probably i mean close to 100 he's pushing up close to 100 movies that he's done in total there's a lot of movies he's been in crude crudes it was crudes i'm a 44 year old man what the <laughs> fuck would i see the crudes too <laughs> he's been in spider-man and the spideyverse yep. i love that movie yeah he's he's the noir spider-man in that one yes. so good, dude so good so good he was actually in what movie was he in that i was 
that I was blown away. Actually, I'm gonna have to look it up. But he was in some movie as as a voice actor that I brought up on a podcast that I was doing with the guys, and it blew our minds. Anyways, I'll find that later. But I was just looking up some Nick Cage history. We know I, I believe he had married one of the Elvis one of Elvis's daughters, right? He he did marry into an uh, an Elvis at once upon a time. He married into a Presley. Yeah, he, it lasted a certain amount of days. It was a very specific amount of days. It was like 108 days or, or something like that. Like okay. Some weird number, right? And we connected it through the Freemasons and Gematria and all this shit. Like we Some weird this, right? <laughs> Babylonian working that Cage is undergoing. He's like, I have to fuck the daughter of the king for 108 <laughs> days straight. Exactly. Well, didn't he play a, a, an Elvis Presley part in a movie one time? Was that? No, I was not leaving Las Vegas, right? I'm not 100%, but there, I, I, from what I've been told, he played an Elvis Presley part in a movie one time. And you know these men... In actors. Wild at Heart, he did a lot of uh, Elvis movies, but he refers to himself as Buddy Holly a couple times in that one, which was what the character Nicky was based off of in this one, hence the reason he had the fucking the Wild at Heart uh, t-shirt on. Oh, it's also important to note, in this film, he's not playing Nicolas Cage that we know and love. He's playing Nick Cage with a K. Yeah, did you see that? That was kind of weird, right? Yeah. We have here Elvis Presley. Hold on. I hate these sites that let you go on, but it's like, well, you need a, a subscription to read this article. Who gives a fuck about yourself? Oh, that's the fucking worst. Yeah, it's like, please subscribe for this one article that you want to read. Like, no, I'm not doing Elvis that. Presley was my hero. Nicolas Cage opens up on connection to ex-wife's father. So he saw him as like an opera singer, apparently. Okay. <laughs> So, anyways, I was doing some digging around and all this stuff, and I came across this weird article where it talks about Nick Cage's weird history with stalkers. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Whatever. It was an article written April 21st, 2022, two days before my birthday. And in 2011, supposedly, this is allegedly because he didn't call the police. Okay. In 2011, he shared the story of how when he was living in Orange County with his wife and two-year-old son. He awoke one night to the sight of a naked fan in his room, almost naked. The fan was wearing a leather jacket that leaked the legal property of Nicolas Cage. The fan was also eating a fudgesicle as he looked down on Cage in his bed. <clears throat> so... This motherfucker's eating a fudgesicle, just dripping <laughs> chocolatey goodness with his balls out in the middle of Nick Cage's oven. Like, I like the jacket, bro. So good. Yeah, dude. So again, get you. You have the picture of like uh, maybe like a a Nick a Nick Cage from the uh, unbearable weight of massive talent type of thing with a leather jacket on, right? And with a I, digitally de-aged face that for some reason just keeps flashing like he's a you know extra dimensional being. Well, that's because he is. So I related this. I'm like, wait, this sounds like the Terminator. You know what I mean? When the Terminator comes back, he's naked. Right? I need your boots, your clothes, and your fudgesicles. Exactly. When he gets <laughs> when he gets the leather jacket and all this stuff, I'm like, it sounds eerily similar. Is this hinting at because he never filed a police report, bro, and he just let the guy go? I'm like, that's too convenient. That sounds too good to I don't be know, true. Man. And I go, what if that was him coming back from the future to warn him about God knows what? You know, or, or, or Nick Cage knows what, because, I mean, you can arguably say he is, uh, you know, the, the Demiurge or whoever you want to call it. But Nick, I'm going to tell you something really good here. Turn down Con Air 2. It's going to suck. <laughs> so 
I said, okay, this is we know that he does all these movies. He's done Wicker Man. He's done a lot of occultic shit. In this movie, he is making out with himself. Like, what's all that about? It's <laughs> yeah. like the shadow self, and you're making out with your shadow self, and like you see, like, what's all this about? Like, what is it? And not let, let him know, Cage Smooks good or some shit like that. Smooch is good. Cage Smooch is good. That's it. okay. So that's from uh, that line right there is from the Manster which is this old movie because he did an interview where he was talking about it that I saw actually before I saw the film. And uh, there's a, there's a line where the dude's like transforming into this monster and he grabs a girl and he kisses her and he goes, you smooch good. So that line, Nick Cage being a cinephile has always stuck with him. And uh, he was saying how he just always wanted to throw that in there. And that's why I was like, Nick Cage smooch is good. You tell him Nick Cage smooch is good. That was so weird, bro. Like when I was like, was great. I was looking for occultic shit in the movie because you know this is Hollywood. You know this is Lionsgate. It's a big producer. You know yep. that the, the, they put out movies. Obviously, you have Saturn Films. We know all about Saturn and the... Saturn and the Lion, bro. It's the demiurge. So yeah, that's that's adding to the pot of of evidence that I'm building up against Nick Cage to really blow his cover on him being an alchemist time was a time traveling wizard because we know that alchemists, right? When they achieve this grand deal, you know, you know, you have Helena Blavatsky talking about these ascended masters and these Mm -hmm. people who live outside space and time guarding the the alchemists as they do their things or they sometimes consult with the alchemist, right? They'll, They'll visit you every once in a while like, hey, you're doing good. And then you turn around, the fucking homeboy's gone. It's like, who was that? That was Plato, or that was Socrates, or that was whoever. That was Pythagoras, or that Hermes, was Nicholas Cage. <laughs> Nick, was it? Ni- it's Nicholas fucking Cage. He goes, whoa, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this film was was a hundred percent like like Nick turned up a hundred. Every every stereotype you could possibly want. Uh, it's amazing that we didn't get anything of the bees, the bees, except for the belt buckle that he wears. Like, yeah, you know, my agent wanted me to wear a bee, and I said, not the bees, not the bees. <laughs> yeah, dude. So, and the 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 alchemical mixture of Pascal and Cage, it was, you know, it wasn't weird. Like, it was funny that when he's like, hey, do you think he's gonna want me to? You're not gonna have to suck his dick. Might have fuck to fuck his wife. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I am he's like, ta- oh. he's talking about him like right when he's in front of him. Oh yeah, that was me. <laughs> Nick Cage. <laughs> I love it, man. Honestly, it was great, and I think that I think they're a really good duo. I, I like Pascal from Narcos, and then you yep. brought up that he was in the Mandalorian, which is Dude, crazy. I, I had that shit dropped on me today because I don't really watch Mandalorian. I watched the first season, and I was like, oh, this is cool for what it is, and then uh, which inevitably happens to be with everything especially like, you know, Star Wars or Disney properties where it's like, oh, we're going to create one thing that's super adorable and we're going to market the living piss out of it, which just leaves leaves a terrible taste in my mouth. And then I generally stop watching it from then on. But mm. yeah, he is the Mandalorian. Javi is the Mandalorian. That's crazy. Maybe he's the, the true messiah, bro. Like Pascal <laughs> guy. He's the Mandalorian. He's uh, play, fighting against Pablo Escobar and the, and the Narcos. He's doing all types of shit. Nice. Right? And... It was a good mixture. I really liked it. I liked the fact that it made me laugh. Like, there were scenes throughout the entire movie that I just, you know, I was chuckling constantly. Like, oh, mm-hmm. that, you know, that was cool. But 
you know, then you get like the like the philosophical shit where he's talking about the the pit of nothingness, you know, that we yeah. will come from. And then he goes into the into the the pool while chugging the beer, and he like pulls them out or some shit. <laughs> like, what are you doing, bro? Yeah, he just sinks directly to the bottom and starts chugging the beer. <laughs> oh, that was fucking great. What'd you think about the whole CIA thing, bro? Like the, the FBI shit, like the working for the FBI and all this stuff. Like, I thought it was a, it was a great way to you know spice up the plot and make it a little more you know action action packed style. I think I think the the whole fake CIA agent or uh, you know stuff like that is, is tends to be an overused trope in Hollywood a lot. Uh, whether that's because there are CIA people in the CIA constant or in the uh, in Hollywood constantly, or you know. So the whole the whole point of, of, of Reverend Kaiju's House of Trash is that we offer you no substance, we offer you no soul, we offer you nothing that is good and going to nourish you. This is a strictly junk food podcast, so <laughs> uh, we're, we're just going to call it Hollywood magic at this point and not looking any deeper. You hear no, that, uh, NSA agents? We're not looking deeper. Wink, 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 wink. You know that, that Manly P. Hall had an issue with junk food, bro? Did he? Was he, uh, is that, is that why they mentioned the Twinkie and Ghostbusters? Blow my mind, bro. Blow my mind. No, I don't know about the Twinkie and Ghostbusters, but. That's a big Twinkie. Yeah. No, I haven't, I haven't, I've maybe seen that movie, bits and pieces of it. Like, there's a lot of movies that I, that I haven't really seen. Uh, let me see here. I'm trying, I'm trying to look up some stuff on the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. It was a 1920 German silent horror film. Mm-hmm. And like I said before, uh, Tim Burton basically ripped his entire fucking career off the style of that film. Have you seen this movie? Yeah, of course I have. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna have to see it. Uh, it's on Shutter currently streaming. Should be streaming a couple other places too. If it's Mr. Cage's favorite movie, I mean, I have to, I have to see it, bro. Is it Nicolas Cage's favorite movie, or is it Nick with a K's favorite movie? That, that is a good question, but I'm guessing that this was a way to. Maybe satisfy his alter ego in a way. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah, appease his tulpa. Yeah, like you know, but he, uh, like you saw, like Nick Nicky is like a thought form that he came up with, and and he played that character in an interview too, right? It was like uh like something that he had done before. So it wasn't him playing a character in an interview. He he did talk about it where he said that was basically him in the nineties, and it was a it was an aspect of him that he hated. Hence the reason he's like, I gotta kill it in this. Oh, <laughs> he kind of banishes it. He doesn't really kill it. Spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. But it was that inner, you know, that inner, that dark self, right? He has like the he yeah. does the monologue with him, like, "What are you gonna do? You know, you're gonna save these people, that all this stuff." And he goes uh, on this whole thing. We have Paddington too. So obviously, the premise of the movie: this one super rich guy wants to see him. He's low on money. He wanted to apply for that movie at the very beginning, but he didn't get accepted. And I love the fact he's like, you want me to Wait, read he's reading for the dude? He so, slams yeah. the door shut. He's like, I'm going to read for you right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, he, he uses that line later on in the movie. And I usually don't like meta shit. Like, I don't okay. like stuff that is, you know, self-aware that it's happening. But this did it in a way where it was, like, delightful. Like, they knew, like, they talked about a movie within a movie you know, while you're watching a movie, you know, I, I like that, I, it w but it was subtly done. It wasn't done in a, in a, I'm not like a scary movie type of way. You know what I mean? Like where it's like, yeah. you know, it's meta as fuck and it's corny and like all these other stupid movies that they, you know, paranormal activity or whatever other stupid movies that they've done. Yeah. I, I don't like that type, but this was like, it was good, you know? And 
you know, you have the super rich guy who just so happens to be the the head of this this weird this crazy narco ring, which we know that he plays in narcos, which I thought that was weird too. Pascal plays in narcos. You know, he's dealing with drugs and all this stuff, so I don't know, bro. I, I mean, that could just be a simple case of, of typecasting no. as well. There is nothing that is a coincidence when it comes to Hollywood, bro. It's oh, my God. Is, is Tom on this yeah. fucking episode? What the hell happened? <laughs> coincidence <laughs> isn't real, dude. Yes, the fuck it is. <laughs> Shout out to Thomas. We have That's here. Sweet, so... sweet Tommy boy. My favorite part, dude, was the the LSD part. <laughs> So I I meant I know we we've talked before, but uh, have you ever partaken of uh, of the the liquid Albert Hoffman sacrament? I have not, dude. I've only ever done mushrooms. Let me let me just tell you, accurate. And I love that they didn't go they didn't go for the visual fake outs or anything like that, and they weren't like trying to replicate a trip. But the goofiness, the giggles, the weird speech pattern that Nick Cage starts going into, and just the paranoia when they run into that group of people. I was dying. Those two dudes, and they're like, oh, don't look. Just just laugh. Make it make it seem casual. <laughs> and he just fucking awkwardly laughs at him, dude. He's just looking over at them, like, <laughs> laughing. I'm like, what are you doing, bro? And, and, and before this, right, like, there was, like, a disconnection between the two where they wanted to connect on some sort of level. And then as time goes on, they start connecting, right? So they, they, he is trying to, what, trying to find the girl that had been kidnapped. So yes. he goes to the to the room, right, the the mirror. He's mm-hmm. like, you want me to let you in there? He was looking for that it, it might, it might cha- So did you did you pick up on what that was going to be right away? I feel like the trailer might have spoiled that. Once he's like, yeah. this may change your opinion of me. I was like, oh, I know exactly what's in this fucking room. It's not – and it ain't the girl. You know, yeah, no, I did it. I I knew exactly because as soon as it popped up, where he's like, "You really want me to let you in here?" He's like, "Yeah, it's gonna change." I whispered over to my wife, and I'm like, "Oh, that's where the where the statue is." Yeah, that's the shrine. The shrine, bro, and like it reminds me of my freaking my cutout and all this shit. It's like, wow, that's grotesque. I'll give you twenty thousand. <laughs> How much did you pay for this? <laughs> uh, it cost me six thousand. I'll give you twenty grand for it. I can't. I can't possibly sell it. But that, so that, 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 let's talk about the shrine for a minute. No, let's talk about that shrine for a minute. The beast is in there. The chainsaw from Mandy is in there. The fuck it. As soon as he walks through the door, and I noticed right away, I was like, oh, it's everything's kind of blacked out. But you see that national treasure poster right away. You see the little oh, triangle. Just, oh, really? Yeah, dude. Yeah. I was trying to eyeball everything. I had a couple things brought up here, but uh, for some reason, I lost the tabs on everything that was in the shrine. Oh, wait. No, I found it. Hang on. Nope, nope. Well, so Sam's. Like yeah, that is a sick ass poster, bro. If you're able to get me that poster, dude. Oh yeah, no, my uh, my my buddy works at Regal, and I was telling him about it because he uh, he hit me with, uh, oh, have you seen everything everywhere all at once yet? I was like, no. He goes, dude, just watch it. So I saw him at work the other day, and uh, on Monday, and I hit him with the, yo, have you seen Unbearable Weight yet? Like, no, just watch it. It's fucking amazing. And then he, he followed up with, I can get you one of those posters. You want one? Like, Fuck yeah, I want one of those posters. So, uh, obviously, there's a bunch of Con Air references in this. Uh, guarding Tess. Face-off. There are so many fucking face-off references, which that is up there in my top ten. In my top ten films of all time. Face-off is arguably my favorite John Woo movie. Uh, they had the... Uh, what was the name of the the green balls from The Rock? That, that tower that looked like a DNA strand when he first walks into the shrine? Nah, dude. I don't think I've seen that movie. 
The Rock with him and Sean Connery, where there's a bomb on Alcatraz? No, no, I don't think I have. I'm going to probably have to check that out. Oh, yeah, definitely check that out. It's because there's so many movies, but he's done, like, over 100 movies. Like, how can you... You know what I mean? Like... Oh, yeah. So many movies. This dude must... You think he memorizes all his lines, or you think he has an earpiece? God, no. I don't think he has an earpiece. I think he probably memorizes lines, like, uh, you know, uh, an hour or two before he's set to record. And, and then he's just like, all right, I got it down. All right, Nick, we're shooting four pages today. Fuck, I only I only did one. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna need another week there, uh, director man. Who was it that I heard that Bruce Willis can't put an earpiece in anymore, so that's why he stopped doing movies? To like that, that's the conspiracy behind Bruce Willis. Not that he has some debilitating disease that doesn't allow him to, to speak properly anymore, but he's just got cauliflower ears, so he can't put a fucking earpiece in. <laughs> that's what, I think that's what I heard somebody say something one time. I don't know if I was on a podcast or what I was doing, but. Oh my god. That's all right. Bruce Willis won't listen to this. <laughs> so he has the the figure the wax figure in there, right? We had the whole scene where they did take LSD. My favorite part was when he was driving the car and he was like crashing and everything. He's like, Bro, you gotta drive. He's like, I can't drive on ass. He's like, No, you did all your what was it? You did all did the driving stunts and gone in sixty seconds. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so I really enjoyed that part. Obviously, like the whole dynamic of them like freaking out, and then like it was like a weird like save yourself. No, you go on and tell her <laughs> the wall, dude. Oh my god, that was that was so good. He just peeks his head around the side. I guess we could have just walked around. And then they see the guys again or whatever, like and they just they just peace out. Yep. So, and then after that, that's when they go in, into that room with the wax figure and all this shit. Right. And going back a little bit, the uh, the start of their uh, when when the disconnect started uh, removing itself and they started you know fusing into the the delightful pair that they became. I think it really started with the the cliff jump. Like that was their that was their oh, jump yeah. into the void almost. You know where their their leap of faith. And, oh, I like that. Yeah, then it, it, it you know, began forming that bond. And uh, Pedro Pascal played it so fucking well in this film. Let's, uh, let's get into the, the spoiler that he's not actually the bad guy. Um, but the whole time, up until you find that out, it keeps you guessing. Like, there, especially, like, the acid trip and every everything going leading up to that after uh, Cage meets with the CIA people. And uh, it was just so masterfully done. So, so I have here Bravo. Cage... Also portrays Nikki Cage, credited by Cage's birth name, Nicholas Kim Coppola, a figment of Cage's imagination. So Nikki, with a obviously KY, that's mm-hmm. the character is based on the actor's infamous appearance on the talk show Wogan while promoting Wild at Heart. Yep. <laughs> uh, fantastic David Lynch film that I had the opportunity to see in theater, even though it came out, you know, well before I was really watching movies in theaters. Shout so... out to North Park for Lynchfest. We have that. We also have, yeah, I like that idea where they did that impromptu acting where he's like, oh, no, I see him coming. Or like it was something about his daughter. He's like, I wasn't supposed to see his daughter and, and he's coming. And then he does like the, he's like, oh, I know what you're doing. Is this like a impromptu type of thing? Yeah. And you see him like turn around. And then when you, he turned around, you knew he was about to spit some shit. Yeah. Like the camera was all like, you know, like tracing his face and all this shit. It was like some epic stuff. And then they jumped off and. Yeah, I like that. It was like a like an initiation, if you will, right? Jumping into the abyss and 
and coming together. And then they find out that they have the, their favorite movies. He he asks them to read his script. He's like, did you read my script? And we know the guy didn't send him the, the script because he's like, oh, you know, whatever. But he sends him the script and he's freaking out about it. And the scene where he's trying, what was he, he was trying to plant a bug in his computer or something like that to figure out what. Yes, where he went, he had to break into the room and, and, and put all the uh, the cameras on and everything so they could find the location for it. That's a whole did lot you, of Nicky you got behind you, buddy. Did, uh, you know, did you notice, though, dude? So I have this, right? Did you notice that in the that mousepad. room, the mouse pad yes. was this? <laughs> yep. I yeah, I've reached it. a point where I'm like, all right, let's play spot the Easter eggs in any movie that I'm watching now. Yeah, so I, I saw that and I was like, oh, shit. That was, I was like, I was telling my wife, I'm like, look, I have that background in my, <laughs> my green screen, bro. Like, oh, uh, they even threw that, uh, that, that Nick Cage pillow. Where you wipe it back and forth, and he's just like, "That's super creepy." It's not creepy. It's great. Yeah, about? I have that pillow too uh, at the house. And yeah, I thought of you immediately. I was like, "Oh shit!" One thing that I caught right off the bat—that CIA scene where he wipes his forehead with the super potent, the tranquilizer, yeah, the tranquilizer, or whatever the fuck it was—that gave me Leonardo DiCaprio Wolf on Wall Street vibes. Okay. Or the scene where he's trying to climb into the the Lamborghini and he's like, oh the lewd up. scene, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was probably one of the greatest scenes of all time, bro. Like I, I laughed, well, so you gonna die? <laughs> I laughed so hard when I saw that scene, bro. And apparently, he hurt his back for real doing that scene. Like I, I had read somewhere, DiCaprio or in a cage, DiCaprio, where he like hurt his he hurt his back because you know he's all contorted and shit, like trying yeah. to open the door. Uh, apparently, he hurt himself filming that or something like that like no shit or some shit yeah okay i could be wrong but whatever who gives a fuck this is not a factually accurate podcast for all of the wonderful listeners out there we do our best but if we get something wrong just keep it to yourself sources are wiki and trust me bro all right (laughs) sources are just weird thoughts that i have that come to me throughout the day and uh (laughs) hardcore interpretive dreams that's that's where i source all of my information from so get on my level you know so after he does the whole spiel of of feigning and then she says action and he fucking like wakes up or whatever and he snaps himself i mean after that that's when they tell him that he has to stay because he all he needed to do was be at that party that he was Mm -hmm. at at that night and after that, he, they told me that you need to stay because the girl's on the, on the premise, like, you know, you, on the premises, you need to find her or whatever. And then uh, after that, I'm trying to recall because I watched the movie before doing, I'm sorry, I did get a bootleg copy. Who gives a fuck? I watched it in theaters. I'm not going to go to theaters to watch it again. I'll buy the Blu-ray when it comes out, but I did snag a bootleg copy. <laughs> Unlike unlike Juan, even though I I also have a copy, I will be going to see it in theaters again and buying whatever special edition is put out for this film because it's it's, it's so fucking good. It's so fucking good. I was disappointed, bro. It says here it did budget was thirty million and the box office was sixteen million. Did you see that? It only made sixteen million so far. That's what it says here as of. Let's see. I mean, that says retrieve May first, twenty twenty-two. Look at that. I'm spreading fake news. Let's see here. Is there a way to look that up like real time? There should be. Or is box office opening day? No, right. That was, I still feel like that's low for opening day to only pull in sixteen for a thirty million. So right here, April twenty-second, two point nine. Yeah, I don't. 
I don't have a total. Yeah, I have a total here. Worldwide, sixteen point six million. Eighty-two we'll percent domestic. Seventeen percent international was which two point eight million. Yeah, thirteen thirteen uh, domestic. Two point eight international and sixteen point six worldwide. Yo, I have. You know what? I have no faith left in humanity. They're all a bunch of fucking heathens, right? Like, why is that? Like, such a because again, I mean, the 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 reason I think that happened is because obviously we have a lot of people like me for one. I watch movies at home, right? Like when I went to go Mm -hmm. see this movie that day, bro, my seat was broken because we had assigned seating in the in the theater. Like, my seat was broken. It would like go all the way back if you weren't careful. You drop all your your popcorn. Yeah, bro. So it's like you either watch it at a dirty ass theater or you watch in the comfort of your own home but movies like this you don't have the option until either you wait till it comes out but i was so excited i wanted to go see it as soon as it came out so i went to see it the second day that it was out so it's like you have to sacrifice comfort for you know that exclusive you know see it while you're there type of thing the atmosphere which i I mean i'm an i'm an extrovert or i'm in it which is the one that doesn't like people introvert right yeah yeah i'm an introvert so i hate fucking interacting with people so if i can see it at home shit i'll watch it at home any day of the week and i'll buy it from home you know what i mean i've done that before i forgot what's the last movie that i did that with where i bought the oh the matrix okay i was i was on hbo max the newest matrix and i saw Mm -hmm. it at home like i did a watch party with some friends of mine we all hopped on discord and we all watched it together and then we reviewed it the next day but i don't know dude i just Maybe that's why people are just waiting for. I have friends of mine who are waiting for it to come out on Blu-ray so they can torrent it. They're not going to pay for it. <laughs> I have some people who are waiting for it to be able to stream on because you can pre-order the stream version right now. No shit. Yeah, I think it's on either. I think it might have been Voodoo actually, where you can pre-order it. But depending on how it does in theaters, is when they release it to stream. Type. So if it doesn't, yeah, like try and recover some of the 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 lost funds if you can't get it on if you can't make it in the box office you do it on on streaming makes sense which i respectfully i disagree wholeheartedly uh i think that most films are meant to be watched in theaters Mm -hmm. i know a lot of them now that are coming out are probably not meant for theaters because they know where their revenue source comes from but there are so many films that i was like indifferent on or i liked them but i wasn't like man that was great and then I had the opportunity to see them in theaters and was just blown the fuck away. Like, for example, and I've talked about this before. Uh, I think I talked about this when we did uh, First Class Horror. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You know, being a big horror nerd growing up, I, I appreciated it. I liked Leatherface as a character, but I never once was like, yeah, this movie's iconic. I always thought it was kind of tame and kind of like, meh. But I saw it in a crowded theater. Because they did a, a replay of it, and they had the nice reclining seats and everything like that. And my theater experiences have almost always been, since they started doing the upgrades, overwhelmingly positive. Especially because now you can get beer in the theaters. So, like, let's fucking go. Uh, but after seeing that in theaters, I, I left and I was talking to my friends. I was like, oh, I get it. I get it now. It's it's uncomfortable. The noise around you is anxiety-inducing. Like, it's how certain things are meant to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um but obviously that's not the same thing for like Netflix movies and shit that's made to be watched at home. And if you have really a great thing, 
you think that's how you think that's how it's set up like where certain movies are i've never really heard it put that way well any movie made before streaming is made to be generally made to be seen in theaters except for like you know the straight to dvd or the straight to vhs but that was a phenomenon that happened you know once vhs and dvds became cheap because when vhs first came out they were like 80 bucks a pop that's why people had one or two in their house and they only watched oh. those one or two and that's why movie rental places became a thing is because vhs was so fucking expensive to buy 80 bucks bro dude some of them were more than that get the fuck out of here bro. i'm not fucking around dude they were super stupid expensive it's like when nintendo games were 80 bucks back in the day OG Nintendo games because it was it was just so you know expensive to make or at least what they told everybody they probably were I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt on that yeah with technology they couldn't really do so much but I mean obviously that's a thing of the past now obviously but exactly yeah with all the mass automation and and just throwaway tech that we have now it's it's night and day but yeah there there are definitely a good number of films that are meant to be viewed in the cinema and I think most people do themselves a disservice when they don't see them in in theaters. You know, the, that's something that depending on what kind of movie buff you are, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? I could see that, but for the regular layman, for example, me, I do podcasting, right? I think the mic that I have on right now is shitty, but for the regular layman compared to my mic at home, right? Right. But for the regular person, they probably won't be able to tell the difference. Because they just want to consume the content. So maybe perhaps people will notice a difference. Obviously, it's a difference because you're at a fucking theater. You have mm-hmm. a bigger screen versus at home and your tiny ass LSD, LCD or plasma, whatever the fuck you got going on. You know, obviously, that's a different thing. But some people I feel that's why, I, like, as of recently, bro, uh, I've been going to like bookstores looking for like occult literature. Yeah. I don't care because right now, dude, I have over a hundred something books on my Android tablet where I have subscribed and I look up all my books on here at at, at a click of a button, if you will, or a touch of a screen, whatever. But the experience of going and just not knowing what you're going to find. The thrill of the hunt. The thrill of the hunt. Like, oh, look, I came across that Manly P. Hall fucking The Secret Teachings of All Ages, you know, a second edition golden anniversary. I'm like, what the fuck? That's crazy. You know what I mean? Like. That's what I like about it, like the experience of finding it. So I guess yeah, I'm okay with watching a movie at home. I mean, you know, I said all that shit just to say I'm okay with watching a fucking movie at home. <laughs> so I uh, I agree with you 100% on the thrill of the hunt thing. And I think um, resellers of, of things, if you listen to this show, stop listening, please. Because I'm not a, not a huge fan of y'all. Because uh, I'm not talking people that like you know do it as a business or whatever that that have the passion and and, and do whatever they do. I'm talking to people that exclusively go and look for hard to find movies and then not gonna go out and enjoy them and sit and actually watch them and be like, cool, I'm so glad I've added this to my collection. But immediately just turn around and flip it. The same assholes that go to conventions to meet you know celebrities and just throw the fucking autograph immediately up on eBay afterwards. It's like, I, I know it's, it's not cool. It's not a, I'm I'm not a fan of those people. Uh, if you do it, you know, more power to you, but I just, I, I shouldn't say I'm not a fan of those people. People are people, man. You guys, I, I love all you. You're all wonderful. I'm not a fan of that practice. Yeah. And I think, it, I think it devalues the art of collecting a little bit. And I think it, it, robs some people from being able to collect. Like uh, I've, I've got, I've had, massive collections of vhs and i've lost them in moves and stuff like that uh you know lived uh, out of state for a hot minute but i used to be able to go to like 
thrift stores and go hunting at thrift stores and find some weird, obscure VHS tapes that I've been looking for for ages and get them four for a buck. You know, and anyone was able to do that. If you knew what you were out hunting and looking for something, you were able to do that. And nowadays, that's why I love going to record shops, because most record shops, I'm not an avid record collector, a vinyl collector. I mean, I collect DVDs. I collect VHS. I collect CDs and stuff like that, because those are the mediums that I enjoy uh, watching and listening on. I, I still like my streaming and my digitals and all that, you know, but I, as a physical media collector, collecting DVDs is my shit. And it's, it's just the, the fun, I don't know what I'm going to find. I don't know what I'm looking for. I'm just going to go stand and browse. Like what I used to do back in the day is I would go to pawn shops because they would usually have like a wall, just a full wall of DVDs. And most of them were like five for 20, something, blah, 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 for 10 or whatever. And I would be the weird asshole that's standing there and starts looking in the top left corner and just slowly moves their eyes and scans every rack at least once or twice. Like I'm standing there for maybe 45 minutes to an hour. I always bought like 15 DVDs when I would go, if I found something that was good, but you know, well, you know, I don't have the room right for all these things. And it's like the whole gaming, like gaming has been just digital now. Like I buy all the games yes. digitally. You have, you have steam, you have all the shit where you don't need physical things. And I think it helps the clutter. A lot of my books are PDF or EPUB or whatever the hell it is. So, but if this comes out, I think I'll, you know, I'll maybe not, I will probably won't buy it because I don't even have it. I don't think, I don't even think I have a DVD player, bro. Maybe my PlayStation and Xbox, but like, yeah, if you have a PlayStation or Xbox, they, they definitely play. So, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I wanted to go see it again, but obviously I don't have the time, so that's why I did download a copy. At the, so obviously towards the end, we have they we find out who the actual villain is. They do have a scene where they work together. I like when they switch their shoes and then he's got He's like, why don't you run? He's like, well, you gave me fucking the equivalent to loafers. Yeah. So why don't you run? You did all of your you know, blah, blah, blah stunts in this. Like, no, that was a stuntman genius. Like, not according to the making of featurette. Fuck. <laughs> when the when the dude's like, oh, yeah, he's he's I think he's he's out for the count. Like the dude wakes up and they just like hit him again. Like, boom. Yeah. Like, so I like that part. And then towards the end, we have. Javi sort of sacrifice, like wanting to sacrifice himself to stop the, his, what was it, his cousin? His right? cousin, yeah. That Fruit Loop scene, man, was the moment The moment he, he walk in and he's the one sitting at the table. I was like, ah, okay, I know something's up here. It was like this movie sketch, right? quite a bit, but yeah, it was very sketch. Yeah, like I was like, man, what's going on with this guy? But, but we did see him at the beginning. Remember when he was at the pool and like he says the quote about the nothingness, the pit of nothingness? Mm-hmm. We did see him one time, but I didn't. It didn't click to me, you know, when they're talking about this big drug overlord, you know, this drug lord guy. Like, no, it wasn't. It wasn't drugs. It was uh, arms. They were arms dealers. Oh, it was arms, arms dealers. There you mm -hmm. go. I'm spreading fake news. But anyways, like this big top guy, whatever. Yeah. I couldn't picture Javi being that dude, you know, that was doing whatever that they said that he was doing. So I'm like, maybe there is a mastermind behind. It. And then obviously we did learn that it was homeboy, his cousin. It's like either you kill him or I kill him, and then we know that he got the the two guns from what the fuck movie was that from? That's from Face Off. From Face Off, we got yeah. the two guns, right? And then we have the chase scene where they're going through. the The dude drops the knife, right? Then I was like, why the fuck did they highlight the knife when the chick dropped it? When the dude dropped it? 
Oh, they they followed Chekhov's Chekhov's law in so many fucking scenes in this where it's like, okay, there's a gun. This is gonna have to go off in the next act. Oh, there's a knife. Somebody has to get stabbed by this knife. Uh, is that that's a law you said? Chekhov's law. I, I believe it's called Chekhov's law or Chekhov's rule, which is um, it's an old uh, play rule, which is uh, something I'm gonna horribly butcher it. But if a gun is present in the first act, it must be discharged by the third act. Really? So it's like the the seven levels of Francis Bacon or some shit like Kevin Bacon, Francis Kevin. Bacon. You esoteric son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, I'm gonna pull it up right Bacon. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's called Chekhov's gun, uh, and it is. According to Wikipedia. Nice. That's always where I go for my research. Chekhov's gun is a dramatic principle that states that every element in the story must be necessary and irrelevant, or it must be necessary, and irrelevant elements should be removed. Elements should not appear to make false promises by never coming into play. The statement is recorded in letters by Anton Chekhov several times, with some variation. It was advice for young playwrights. Uh, one must never place a loaded rifle on the stage if it isn't going to go off. It's wrong to make promises you don't mean to keep. Who was the guy that shot the lady in the rust? That was his name, Alex Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. Alec Alec Baldwin. Yeah, fuck. Eric Baldwin. So, yeah, they they zoom in on the knife, and then you have that whole scene. Uh, what what I'm missing a part there too, where I think it was when before they go on the chase oh yeah they sent him out to kill nick cage like he's like you have to kill nick Cage. i remember when he said that when he said that part like everybody in the theater started laughing because it's like it sounds so ridiculous like yeah to kill nick cage so they have the whole chase and all this shit oh he tries to trick him too right the the cave scene where they try to look for the girl where he dresses up as that drug lord guy that he's supposed to be meeting up with that had been missing for like 15 years or something that's after that's after? That's after, yeah. All right. Well, anyways, you have that scene, which I thought that was pretty funny, too. Um, but it looked like one of a, char- a character he's played before. It definitely did, yeah. Whoever they did the makeup for looked very familiar. Oh, we also skipped over the fact that uh, Javi brought his family there because uh, there's a the whole subplot of his daughter just being like, it's always about you. And then he played that drunken song that he wrote for her when they went to their Grand Canyon trip at her birthday party. And uh, they had that, that family counseling session. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, the, hey, you love Caligari, didn't you? She's like, I fucking hated it. Oh. It's like self-centered, egotistical Nick Cage. Everybody's always talking about how he only yep. thinks about himself and all that stuff. So, again, he's poking fun at himself the entire time. But the movie felt, like, familiar. Like, it was it's kind of weird to, you know what I mean? Like, it felt like. It was, it was, bro, it was a spiritual experience. I'm going to say was, of it. Course it, was, it was a spiritual experience watching that movie. It was fucking great. And then at, at the very end, obviously, they rescue the girl. They And then did you notice that at the be, at the very beginning of the movie when they open up and there's a scene, I forgot what movie that's from, where he's like talking. He's like, I was going to shave my head or some shit like that. Yeah. And it zooms out and the girl's talking. They're talking in Spanish. She's like, oh, that's Nicolas Cage. And I was like, yeah, fucking Nicolas at the very end, when she notices it's fucking Nicolas Cage, she's That's like, fucking awesome. <laughs> Dude, imagine if you were her, though. You are like, you're the daughter of some uh, president that sounds like they're doing some good. But knowing what we know about the American government and uh, which kind of people they like to install in Central America, that dude was probably way fucking worse than uh, we were led to believe. But his uh, yeah, his daughter's watching the Nick Cage movie, gets kidnapped and knocked out. And after, you know, 
being basically, I'm sure, mentally tortured by these people, say, oh, we're going to fucking kill you if your dad doesn't drop out of the election, blah, blah, blah. When you get rescued, how much of a mind fuck would it have been to just be like, do they drug me? Is that... So Dick, you would have had a similar reaction to the uh, the CIA guy when he's like, yeah. I think... <laughs> that might be the actor Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Is that fucking... Yeah, that's Nicholas. It's and Nicholas the fucking like, Cage. From Croods 2 or something like that, or Croods 3. Yeah, like, oh, from Croods 2. Why the fuck does your brain go immediately to Croods 2? Have you seen Croods 2? I'm a 44-year-old man. Why the fuck would I have seen the Croods 2? Let's see. I'm going to bring up. Oh, I think he was an Astro Boy. I think that was the one that, like, blew me away, bro. Yeah, I'm going to look it up now. I think it was, like, Astro Boy. And I was like, why? He's an Astro Boy, dude? Like, what the heck? That's nuts. Yeah. Because, you know, like, they, they do a lot of. Here we go. So according to IMDB, okay, this is according to them. We have Vampire's Kiss. We have all that goodness. We have Guarding Trees. We have Face Off from 97. I want to take his face. We have Christmas Off. Carol the movie. Yeah. Who hasn't yeah. been in a Christmas Carol? Yeah. Adam Sandler's been in one. National <laughs> Treasure. Ant Bully. Supposedly he was an ant bully. Oh, Yeah. We have The Wicker Man, Ghost Rider, Grind. He was in Grindhouse, bro. You remember those movies from 2007? What Grindhouse movie was he in? Grindhouse, the one Quentin Tarantino. It was It was like a weird kind of like meta-ish. He was in Planet – or not Planet – he was in um, Death Proof? So Robert Rodriguez, Robert Rodriguez directed Planet Terror. Quentin Tarantino directed Death Proof. And what that was is it was them paying homage to – the films of their youth, like the old grindhouse theaters, the seventies. You want to talk about dirty, sleazy theaters that were borderline porno shops. The grindhouse theaters are the ones that showed like two to three different films back to back. And it was always like exploitation films. It was super so gory horror or super violent shit. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that was probably one of my favorite movies, but apparently he was in here as you know how, how they had like fake commercials going on or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. So a bunch of different directors made those. There's one that Edgar Wright did called don't. Apparently he was in it in one of those. Like he, I'm trying to find it here. Which one? Because it was it was don't. There was Thanksgiving. There was. It's been so long since I've watched those. Anyway, I'm trying to find it here, but he was in one of the, in one of the one of those fake, uh, commercials that they had done. The teaser trailers, yeah. Yeah, the teaser trailers. I'm trying to find this part here. Set it real quick. Jeez. Anyways. Here we go. Christ. Can't find it. Anyways, he was in there, which I thought was pretty was pretty funny. Then we have next we have National Treasure Book of Secrets, which I, I haven't I never saw that movie, but I heard it was fucking garbage. Then Astro Boy. I I, I really liked his, his role in Kick Ass. That was yeah. amazing. Amazing role in that movie. As Big Daddy, which the character in uh, in the movie is n- nothing like the character in the book. We have the Croods, obviously. Yeah. I did see that movie, Joe. I thought it was all right. It wasn't anything crazy. Uh, Pay the Ghost. I saw that movie, too. We have Snowden. He's in Snowden? I didn't know he was in Snowden. Apparently so. Yeah, I don't really trust this list, but there's a lot of movies in here. I'm like, why? He wasn't that shit. Mandy, obviously, we have that. We have 211, which I saw the other day, too. We have Into the Spider-Verse. A score color out of space. Running with the devil. 
Prime Werewolf. Have you seen that movie? Werewolf Women of the SS is the one that he was in, the Rob Zombie one. Yes, he was in one of those. In one of those. No, he, that that's the one. I found the list. Yeah. Uh, we have Prime. Have you seen Primal, dude? I think it's on no. Hulu. No, I have not. He's uh, He is a... The Sasquatch one? No, dude. He is... So Frank's caught wildlife in the Brazilian jungle. So he's like this exotic animals hunter that he goes around looking for exotic animals. And he captures like this white jaguar or whatever, and it goes crazy on some ship. It's amazing. I've seen the trailer for that, but I have not seen that yet. I've seen Grand Isle as well. Prisoner of Ghostland. Have you seen that movie yet? Prisoner of Ghostland? No, it's it's on my watch queue and shutter. I need to watch that. Amazing. Willie's Wonderland, and then we have here the unbearable weight of massive talent. So uh, according to IMDb, he has a total of – there's 100 titles in here. <sighs> but I'm sure, I think there's some movies in here that, I, that they don't show at all. But anyways, there's 100 titles. And this one just adds another one to the pot because I think I think it was wonderful, bro. What do you what would you rate it on a scale of one to ten? Oh man, this is I just because it's it's Nick Cage and I kind of expected this to suck. I'm gonna give this an eleven. An I'm gonna 11. give this I'm gonna give this a hard eleven, dude. This movie is it <laughs> arguably one of, if not the best film I new film I've seen in theaters in the last five years. Yeah, I agree. It was pretty good. I was going to say I was going to give it an 8, you know, but sure, we'll give it an 11. You going conservative wanna, with it? I don't want to be biased, bro, because people know I have a cutout of Nicolas Cage. I have that pillow. I have all this stuff. I don't want to seem biased, bro. No, brother. Let your freak flag fucking fly. You let the you let the world know that you worship at the Church of Cage. And you, uh, <laughs> you know, you tell them Nick Cage smooch is good. Smooch is good. Yeah, bro. So, I mean, I enjoyed it, bro. I think people should really go see it. If you haven't seen it before, you know, if you're listening to this before you've seen it. You fucked it. up. Do yourself a favor because I think it's fucking amazing. So, yeah. No, this this film was was such a good time. And, uh, you know, like we were saying, I'm I'm definitely going back and watching it in theaters again. Uh, maybe two, maybe two more times even. I haven't I haven't quite decided on that yet, but. It's... Yeah, who knows? I mean, I might go see it. I have the bootleg copy. I did watch it today before hopping on the show just so it could be sort of fresh in my mind. And I Let, think it was great. Let's get real weird with it. When you when I go, you should go, and we'll just FaceTime each other the whole time we're in the theater. <laughs> we'll call it face-off time. Yeah, dude, that'd be dope. <laughs> yeah, we could do something like that. You guys are bootlegging the movie. Look, we've all paid to see the movie twice, okay? No, we have bootlegs at home. I mean, we don't have bootlegs at home. I don't know what you're talking about. Usually, how uh, long is a movie in theaters before it's pulled? Honestly, I don't even know anymore. Like, when I was younger, it was, like, it was up for, you know, uh, six months at a time or whatever. And then sometimes you'd wait three years before a fucking VHS would come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a long time. But, I mean, nowadays it's probably, like, a month, 45 days, I think. Most likely, yeah. I do. Uh, do cheapo shows even exist anymore? Like, does it go to dollar theaters at all? I don't know what that is. So there's usually two or three different. Or there used to be like two or three different classes of theaters. So you had your mains, so like your AMC's, your Regals, all that shit. And then you had the uh, the kickdown theaters, the ones that would get it after it was already done in its main run. And those are the ones you could go to and spend two bucks and get a ticket. And they usually have combos, at least the ones out here did, where it was like 10 bucks, large popcorn, large drink, ticket. The the yeah, cheapo I think, shows. I think I have one of those, like the older movie theaters. And there's I think there's one in my town where I live 
It's like it only plays like two movies a day or some shit. Because they only have like two screens. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I know what you're talking about. I've never been to one, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Fuck yeah. And uh, Nicolas Cage, if for some reason, somehow you listen to this, when the fuck are you going to stop being a coward and give us a Nicolas Cage versus Godzilla film? <laughs> I want full, gigantic, 50-foot-tall Nicolas Cage boxing with fucking Godzilla. That's what I want to see. I want to see him smooching Godzilla and smooching good. I say make a remake of Passion of the Christ, but instead of whoever it was playing Jesus... Throwing Nick Cage in there, bro. <laughs> I I say let's go less Mel Gibson snuff film about it, and let's go more Willem Dafoe Last Temptation of Christ. But instead of Willem Dafoe, we get Nicky fucking Cage, baby, exactly. and not Nicholas Cage, Nicky Cage. We get Nick Cage with a K, Nick Nick. Cage. No, not even that Nick Cage. We get Nick Cage's alter ego in unbearable weight playing Jesus Christ. Amazing, bro. That'd be, that'd be intense. Be real I intense. It. I love it. Well, shit, Juan, thank you so much for joining me on the uh, the very first episode ever. It was an honor, bro. Thank you for having me on for your very first episode. I thought you had shit set up, but you obviously don't. So we're making this even before you have an RSS feed and all that shit. But that's no, my RSS feed's done. I, I I finished that before we uh we did this. Oh, great. There you go. Well, I'm talking shit, bro. I'm talking shit. Talking I'm mad bro. shit. I let you on, here. give you the honor, and you shit on me? That's going to be a theme for the show. <laughs> well, where can everybody find you at, man? Drop your shit. So I have this show. It's uh, The One-on-One Podcast. You can find anywhere where you find your podcast, at The One-on-One Podcast on all social media platforms. You know, it's a small show. A couple of people, a couple of people listen to it. You know, I only got like two or three listeners, so it's not anything crazy. Yeah, you guys talk about conspiracies. I do strange ones with Tom. I do Illuminati confirm with the with Mark from my family thinks I'm crazy, and uh, Chris from Mensa podcast, and then I do the Occult Book Club with Paranoid Americans. So I got a couple shows going at a time, and yeah, dude, appreciate you having me on. Fuck yeah, man! This was an absolute blast. Thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll definitely have you on real soon again. And uh, yeah, anything else you wanna you wanna add about uh, Saint Cage before we yeah. call it? Hail Nicholas Cage. Hail Nicholas Cage. I don't have my soundboard. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> That's why I was trying to recreate it as best as I can with my voice. It sounded good, bro. I like it. I appreciate you. Thank you. Well, shit, brother. We will see you later. Uh, everyone, thanks for tuning in. All of his stuff will be in description as well. Um, and thanks for, for joining us. Hope to see you on the rest of our wonderful, wacky, crazy, junk food-filled episodes. Bye bye. Alright, I'm gonna start recording. Yep.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.